Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. asking this as though you'd rarely do it, but I'm just asking you to preach with me today and uh, let the Spirit of the Lord speak something into our heart. Um, I think for the most part, what I'm going to talk today about is just going to be a reminder of commitments that we have already made. Perhaps there are some here today that have not made that commitment, and so to you, I reach this morning desperately with every fiber of my soul to make that commitment. But to those who have already committed and perhaps life and time and circumstances or whatever may have just caused you to drift a little bit away from the real passion that you began serving God with, to you, to you I also reach this morning because I can assure you that this is not the time to release the moorings of our soul and drift from the docks, amen, this is not the time. This is the hour in which the Spirit of God would speak expressly into our heart. If there was ever a moment that we should pray the prayer that David prayed when he said, Lord, enlighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. I'm gonna tell you there is a spirit of lethargy. Now, these are not opening comments. Hear me today. I'm, I'm speaking from the word Amen, that's in my heart today. There is a spirit of lethargy that is released in our hours, spiritual lethargy, and we are, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves yawning in the face of tremendous responsibilities. This is not the time to just half-heartedly drag in to church. This is not the time to just come in and try to decide after you get here whether or not you're gonna plug in and worship and praise and, and receive something from the Lord. This is an hour where we need, to, we need to let the Spirit of God know, I'm happy I'm here. Amen. I'm glad to be counted among this group here this morning. And, and certainly this group represented here today is not the only group that's on their way to heaven. But I'm glad to be a part today of this congregation. But I'm glad that we are a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. <clears throat> The book of, you've already been up and down, so just remain seated if you'd like, but the book of Exodus chapter 21, I would like for you to go there, and we're going to read the first six verses. These are somewhat verses that will be familiar to many, but I want you to just follow along with me here, if you will. The book of Exodus 21 and 1, the Bible says, now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master hath have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then, verse 6 says, his master shall bring him unto the judges, he shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the door post. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall serve him forever. Now I, I know that to those of you who find this passage of scripture somewhat familiar, 
you may understand uh, more or less the setting. To those of you who may be hearing these scriptures read for the very first time that may seem just a little bit barbaric, but I hope that with the help of the Lord I can explain this process just a little bit. Amen. I want to preach to you today that uh, something that I feel God has woven in my heart and I want to share that with you. I want you to note verse 6 while it is still on the screen that it says the servant must be brought unto the judges. The master shall bring him unto the judges. This was, this was a safeguard of sorts that a, that a man or a master could not just mark a man against his will and then he is forever branded. This, this was a safeguard for the sake of the servant. Therefore, it was commanded that the boring of the ear or the piercing of the ear should always be done in public and it should always be done before witnesses. And these are not just arbitrary witnesses, but while there were random witnesses, the Bible also says before the judges. The judges here represent God. Amen. And so the, the, this was done before God and this was done before man. Does that make sense? So no man, a master, could not just accost a slave in the back room somewhere and, and bore a hole in his ear and mark him for life as forever having been there. He could not do that against his will. And all was taken to the man's ear and pierced through using the doorpost as a backstop, if you please. Therefore, from this moment forward, he was a marked man, a marked man. But I've taken time to talk about the judges and the witnesses, and, and I've read verse 6 a little slow so that we can understand that this was all the end result of a man's decision. He said, I love my master, and I love my wife, and I love my children, and he declared, I will not go out free. You're giving me an opportunity. The law gives me provision to walk, but I am saying that I will not go. And because of that declaration in the company of God in the form of judges, in the company of God and in the company of man, he would have his ear bored through because he was now a marked man because he had deliberately chosen to serve. I think it is very, very important that we understand that. And so from this passage of scripture, I want to preach to you this morning the mark of the master, the mark of the master. I think we have to understand that God was not establishing, nor was he validating, nor instituting the law of slavery. These laws that he is giving is just more, nothing more than just regulating a practice that was already a part of the culture of this people. And so a, a man uh, could wind up a slave for uh, a, a number of reasons, perhaps as a result of poverty or debt or maybe even crime, and I'm sure there may be even other reasons that a person could wind up in this position of slavery. It's apparent that sometimes that a slave would realize that, that you know, after these seven years, I've had a lot of things come my way. At first, it seemed like, uh, maybe I'm here against my will, I'm paying a debt or uh, paying a literal debt or perhaps paying a debt to society. But you know, while I've been here, my master's been good to me. Uh, he has provided for me uh, someone to marry and that has given me the privilege of children and now I have a family and, and maybe he realized that I have a better life here than I really had over there. And so I'm just going to stay with this. Maybe the realization that a master had treated him well and provided for his needs was enough to create in him a desire not to just stay and not to just camp out. But I think we must in, include in our mindset today that he was content to continue to serve. 
Amen. He didn't just move out into free room and board. Really, nothing changed in his life. The day-to-day aspects of his life, nothing was going to change. He said, I am going to, I'm going to continue to serve. Maybe I started out in this thing uh, perhaps against my will. Maybe somebody else passed judgment on me and I wound up in this circumstance. But you know, over time, I realized that I am better off today than I've ever been in my life. And so I don't want to just stay under this roof, but I want to continue to serve. It created a desire to stay. As practical as these things seem to the Israelites, I believe for you and I today, there is a much deeper spiritual connotation. The Bible tells us that every human being is a slave to something. We're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Someone is serving something today. Amen. I mentioned this, I think, just as recent as Wednesday night, that no matter the most remote village you could fly into or walk into, when you get there, you're going to find mankind worshiping something. And we're going to be a slave to something, a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Paul said to the church in Rome, chapter 6 and verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are whom ye obey. Amen. I'm going to pause right here and just preach this till it bleeds this, this morning. Amen. That when we decide that we're going to live a life of sin, amen, when we yield our members to that, then that is what we are serving. That is what we become servants to. Amen, whether that is sin, he said, whether it is of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. In verse number 17, he said, but God be thanked that ye were servants of, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Amen, so what happened the night that we were, that we repented of our sins? and we were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins, and we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the infilling of his spirit evidenced by the speaking with other tongues, what happened that night is we just changed who our master was. (laughs) We came in a master, we came in rather a servant to sin, and we walk away a servant to righteousness. Maybe we didn't have it all figured out at the time, and maybe we didn't have all of the answers hammered out in our lives or perhaps we could not quote any scriptures but when we were baptized and filled with his spirit we were no longer a servant to sin sin lost its battle hallelujah I'm thankful for the liberty and the freedom that the power of God gives me to prevail over sin this was the spirit and the attitude of Paul, but he was certainly not alone. Many New Testament writers make references to servanthood. Romans 1 and 1, the scripture calls Paul a servant of Christ. Again, in Philippians, not only is Paul referred to as a servant of Christ, but Timothy is thrown into the equation, a man who is a servant of Christ. And then in Colossians, the Bible talks about Epaphras, a beloved fellow servant. Here's another man that was known as a servant. Now they may have been musicians. They may have been good cooks. They may have been great organizers. They may have been wonderful administrators. They may have been eloquent speakers. We know that Paul was that. We, they, admit, they may have been men that stood before congregations and imparted things into their lives. We know that Timothy was that. So no matter what other roles they played, the chief role they played was that they were a servant of Christ. And so whatever role you may play in this church or any other church, can I tell you that the greatest role any of us have here today is to be a servant of the Lord. You may be able to sing like a bird. You may be the most talented individual. You may be the greatest administrator. You may be the greatest thinker. You may be the greatest this or that. But our highest calling in this life is to be more by the master. Amen. To realize that I am a servant of the king of kings and the Lord of lords and I must give my life to him. The Bible talks about in James 1 and 1, James, a servant of God. Second Peter, Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ. And even in Jude, Jude says, Jude, the servant 
of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna tell you that we are talking about the list of names and many more could be added to this. Men of great accomplishment, men of renown, men whose names echo throughout time and eternity. Hear me today that all of the things they accomplished, of all the things they accomplished, the greatest title that we will ever wear or that they ever wore was the fact that they were a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to tell you just one more time. The way you know you have a servant spirit is how you respond when somebody treats you like one. <laughs> Amen. You didn't see that coming, did you? Amen. They all proclaimed themselves to be servants of the Lord. They willingly committed themselves to serve their master for life. And so I'm going to tell you this morning, since I'm going to be a slave to something, since I apparently do not have a vote in that, since I am relegated to either serve righteousness or serve sin, I have made up my mind that I am going to be a servant of the Lord. Amen. I want to be marked by the master. I don't want to be marked by the sin of this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder how many broken lives today are bearing the mark of sin. How many, my mother used to make a statement and, and it was not a judgmental statement. Please don't take this out of context, but I could remember my mother maybe speaking of, of anybody in general who would maybe had gone, grown away from God or, or perhaps who had lived a very, very bad life of sin. My mother used the term, they were sin-scarred. Sin-scarred. Amen. I, I understand what that means. Sin has a scar. Sin has a mark. Sin has a loneliness that is left in the eyes of mankind. And so since I am going to serve something, I want to make up my mind today. Lord, I want you to be the master of my life. I want to be a marked man for the master. Hallelujah. I have decided to be a slave under righteousness, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Someone this very day may have watched your family walk out of your house. Maybe they knew as you got in the car at the certain time that you always leave to head to church, they knew you were going to the house of God. Perhaps the timing and perhaps the way you were dressed and perhaps the way your children were dressed announced to your neighbors that they are going, amen, they're going to the house of God. Perhaps some of them even felt a little bit sorry for you and thought I'd hate to be bound by all that religion. I'd hate to be bound by all of those rules and yet some of those that are thinking that and they have said that with alcohol from last night still lingering on their breath. Amen, are you hearing me today? We're a servant to something. I wanna be a servant to righteous things. I wanna be a servant to the righteousness of God. I'm not here against my will. I'm not here to try to dodge heaven, hell. I'm not even here to really try to make heaven my home. I'm here because Jesus Christ reached down in my life and he touched me and changed me. And if this is all there ever was, hear me today, if this is all there ever was, this is enough. I can't comprehend streets of gold. I can't comprehend gates of pearl. I can't comprehend a place of no more tears, pain, or sorrow. But I can relate to what I feel in this house today. I can relate to the spirit and the power and the presence of an almighty God. I want to be marked by the master. I want to be marked by the master. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I pray God would help all of us. I join the ranks of men like David when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm glad that I didn't dread this was Sunday. I'm glad I didn't wake up this morning and realize that today was, was Sunday and the day was the house time to go to the house of worship. And I thought, oh, what a job this is gonna be. What a chore this is gonna be. I'm gonna tell you today, this is not an interruption in my day. As a matter of fact, this is not just one little tiny segment of my day. This is my day. Everything centers around what happens now. 
Not because I'm the preacher. Amen. I was going to church before I started preaching. Amen. Not because I'm the pastor. I was going to church before I was a pastor. I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful to be marked by the master. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't want somebody to have to say, come on now, praise him. Come on now, worship him. Come on now, clap your hands. Come on now, leap for joy. I want there to be something in my heart, a flame that cannot be put out. I want there to be a joy that can't be quieted. I want there to be an anointing that will not be still. I've been marked by the master. Certainly the Lord is is not asking of something of us that he has not already fulfilled in his own life. I want you to look closely with me at the writings of David in Psalms 40 and 6. The Bible says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. I just want to stop right there because that's all I wanted that passage. Mine ears has thou has thou opened. Adam Clark says the phrase my ears has thou opened would be more properly rendered my ears has thou bored. My ears has thou bored. Amen. This is to say Jesus was saying here, amen, through the pen of the psalmist David, amen, thou hast made me a servant forever. Thou hast made me a servant forever. And so Jesus didn't come and swell out his chest and ask us to follow him with pomp and circumstance. But he went ahead and said, I'm gonna bear the mark of the master in my own life. It's very humbling to me that when you consider that the king of kings, amen, he should be looking as the king of kings and yet he is coming as the servant of servants. Amen, that he who thinks it not robbery to be equal with God should take upon himself the form of a servant and be made in the likeness of sinful flesh and being found in the fashion as a man should become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. A man with all power, a man with all duty, a man with all diligence, and yet he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He thought it not robbery that he would yield himself not just to death, but the death of the cross. So trace him as he comes. His first appearance His first appearance was as a servant. He was the son of a carpenter. He was born in little more than a barn and laid in a manger. And when he comes forward to begin his, his life of ministry at 30 years of age, amen, that, that servanthood just continues on. When men would have tried to make him a king, he chose to remain a servant. When they tried to lift him up, he pushed all of that aside. This mark was something that was evident not only in the beginning and not only in the middle, but this mark was something that was evident right to the very end of his ministry. He entered this world in the lowest and in the meekest fashion and that's exactly how he left this world. Even as he stood within the shadow of the cross, he took a towel and he girded himself. Have I got some Bible believers with me today? Amen. He didn't get lifted up in three and a half years of everybody patting him on the back. Everybody tell him you are the man. Everybody singing his praises, his name on this billboard, his name on that billboard that did nothing to lift him up when he was standing within the shadow of the cross. He girded himself with a towel. He took a basin of water, amen, showing that he was still the servant of servants and he washed his disciples' feet. I'm gonna tell you, he was still bearing the mark of the master when he was led as a sheep going to the slaughter right 
up Calvary's hill. Amen. The servant spirit revealed itself in the garden. Are you hearing me today? Amen. He never got intoxicated on what other people thought about him. He just had the mark of the master. He realized my ear has you bore. My ear have you borne through. My ear, I'm a marked man. I was a marked man when I was in the manger. I was a marked man when I was in the carpenter's shop. I was a marked man when I was standing in the temple at 12 years of age. I was a marked man at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. A marked man. A marked man. He revealed his servant spirit once again in the garden when he bowed his head and said, not my will, but thy will be done. Now I think we must never forget that he could have broken free from this role of servitude at any moment that he pleased. Please don't ever forget that. When he came out of the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and prayer, when the devil tempted him with rocks to be made into bread, don't ever think for a moment he couldn't have in an instant of time. Amen? His obedience and sacrifice to death was a willing offering. They did not drag him pulling and screaming up Galgotha's hill. He said this of his life, no man taketh it from me. John 10 and 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And then he said this, and I have power to lay down my life, and I have power to take it up again. He meant he wasn't afraid of the Roman guard sword that he held in his hand. He wasn't, array, he wasn't afraid of the scourging. He wasn't afraid of the sword that pierced his side because he said, I can take this life up again. Amen. Never doubt that the men who came to the garden, to, who, the men after Judas betrayed him, when the men uh, came to take him in the garden, amen, these men, this group of men, this company of men, I believe the scripture refers to them have, would have been no more able to take him if he would have been unwilling to go. Hear me. They would have been no more able to take him than those Philistines were able to take Samson when they tied him with green ropes. Amen. They would have been powerless to take him. They would have been powerless to make him do anything that he did not want to do. But you know, when I was reading this yesterday and last night, I found something interesting in John's gospel because John, of all the gospel writers record something about this particular incident that no other gospel mentions and I think it's powerful. Amen, in John 18, when the men approached Jesus in the garden, Jesus asked them, he said, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Amen, now watch what happened in this simple verbal exchange. They're just in the garden talking. <laughs> Amen, can you say that? They're just talking. They're just talking. John 18 and four, Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now watch this. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. But don't stop reading there. Amen. Now the Bible says in verse number six, as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. That would have been my cue to go home. <laughs> that would have been my cue to say, I took this job way too cheap. Amen, he didn't jump up on a rock. He didn't point a finger. He didn't, he didn't ask somebody to bring him a Bible. He didn't robe himself in an ephod. He didn't put on a robe. Are you hearing me? Amen. They said, who are you looking for? He, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And when he said, I am he, that was powerful enough to throw them to the ground. I'm gonna tell you, never kid yourself. They didn't drag him to the cross. He walked to the cross. Amen. They didn't drag him to a sacrifice. He walked to a sacrifice. Why? 
because he said in Psalm 40, you have bored my ear through. I'm a marked man from the manger. I'm a man from the manger to the tomb. I am a marked man. I'm reaching for somebody in this house today that says, Lord, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of being on the sideline. I'm tired of just tiptoeing around this thing. I'm a marked man for the cause of God and I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. I will not be ashamed. <laughs> if he could knock them down with three words, he certainly could walk out of there. This proved how powerful he was to deliver himself. When he stood before Pilate, he was not an arrogant man, hear me. But I'm talking about a marked man. When he stood before Pilate, he just reminded Pilate of one thing, sir. One thing before I go. One thing I want you to think about when you hang your, when you hang your judging robe in the closet and make your way home today. One thing I want to remind you of. Let this echo in your ears again and again and again. Pilate, Thou couldest have no power against me if, I, if it had not been given thee from above. You get one thing straight, sir. You pass all the judgment you want to pass, but you couldn't even open your mouth if the power to open your mouth wasn't given to you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this today. Amen. I don't know where we got it in our mind that God owes us something because we showed up today. I don't know where we got it in our mind that God owes us something. Amen. I'm not sure where that train of thought come from. God is sovereign, Brother Gibson, and he owes me nothing. Amen. Everything we have, we only have because he has allowed it. We only have it because he has permitted it. Can I just preach a little while here today? When the three Hebrew children were facing the fiery furnace, when the three Hebrew children were facing the fiery furnace. Now we have just preached this to death. We have shouted until we just needed a change in the clothes. Whenever the king said, we know, I know that your God is able. They said, our God, we know God is able. He meant our God is able. Is that right? Our God is able. Our God is able. Woo, yes he is able. Yes he is able. But there's three more words. <laughs> there's three more words that we shouldn't forget. Yes, God is able. But with a bold courage of only a, that only a marked man could stand and say, they said, but if not. Amen, we know that God is able. But if God does not, if, but if not, we will still not bend and we will still not bow. We still will not, we still will not partake of the king's meat. We are still not going to do what you're asking us to do. Amen. Yes, our God is able, but if he doesn't, we're going to leave this world. Why? Because we've been marked by the master. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that God has heard and answered prayers in my life. Yes, he has. He's heard and answered prayers in your life. But I've got some unanswered prayers in my life. I've got some unsolved situations in my life. I've got some unresolved issues in my life. And I know that God is able, but if not, Wednesday's gonna find me here. But if not, next Sunday's gonna find me here. But if not, in the morning, I'm gonna be on my knees before the Lord in prayer and praise and worship to him. Why? Not because he is the king of kings, but because he is the master and I've been marked by the master. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Somehow we've turned this thing around. That if God does what we want, then we'll do what God wants. Uh-uh. That's not how it works. Those three Hebrew young men taught us a powerful lesson. I'm going to serve him no matter what. I'm going to love him no matter what. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself in all this, 
But please don't forget in this particular story that I'm mentioning right now that they weren't the only ones. They had a better night's sleep than the man who threw them in there. Amen. He didn't sleep a wink. He didn't sleep all night long. Amen. The Bible says that he prayed, that he fasted. Am I right? Amen. Through the night. We, I fasted last night, as a matter of fact. <laughs> he fasted all night long. But he came to, that, to the mouth of that lion's den with as much courage and confidence in their God as they had in their God. He knew that God was going to see them through. He knew that God was going to take care of them. I, amen. If, if that, am I right? Am I in the Bible? Amen. He was confident that their God was able. And so I have to read that and then pause and ask myself, I wonder what would have happened if they would have broke down and started crying and pleading and saying, please, no, no, no. Don't throw us in there. God has betrayed us. God has forsaken us. Oh, I wonder how disappointed they would be. I ask you this morning, saints, I wonder how disappointed they would be if you showed up at work this morning and you were dressed like them. I wonder how they disappointed the world would be if tomorrow you started laughing at all their jokes or telling a few dirty ones of your own. Are you here? I wonder how disappointed somebody might be in the morning if you showed up with liquor on your breath. Are you hearing me today? I say, God, help me to realize I've been marked by the master. Somebody's watching me. Somebody's looking at me. Somebody knows the power of the God I serve. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. Amen. Even on the cross, he had the power to be delivered, but he would not deliver himself from the cross. Because you've got to remember Psalms 40. He had given his ear to be opened. Therefore, he remained a servant even unto death. Willingly and without struggle, Jesus Christ went to the cross With that kind of an example before us, I ask you, how can we do anything less than give God our best? With someone who has never failed me, how can I fail him? When someone who's always been there for me, how can I not be there for him? There are some men and women in this house today that have decided they're going to be marked for the master. There's something genuine about their walk with God. It's not that they don't have the same temptations as others. They just simply realize they're marked men. They're marked women. I mean, it's not that somehow there's a hedge of protection around them that's so strong that, that sin doesn't try them or sin doesn't tempt them. No, that's not it at all. They just said, I'm a marked man. I can't go there. I'm a marked woman. I'm not going to go there. I bear a mark. I bear a mark. You know, um, I think maybe some of this has changed through the years. I'm not sure about that. But, but uh, I do remember this, not to just get off the subject too, too far here, but I remember years ago that, that uh, the delivery company, UPS, UPS, their, their drivers wore their regular clothes to work, and then they put on their uniform after they got to work. When you got through with your route, then you put back on your regular clothes and you went home. And part of that was because they didn't want you going into a bar with their uniform on. They didn't want you doing something representing their company. Amen. So they want you, you do what you want to on your own time, but you're going to do it in your own clothes. You're not going to represent us. For years and years, again, I don't know how much of this has changed, but for years and years, you couldn't even buy an old UPS vehicle. When they, when they were done... When they, when, they, when they had used them all up, you didn't see them painted yellow, riding down the road selling bull peanuts because somebody cut a hole in the side of it. Amen. You, you didn't. <laughs> Some of you hadn't even thought about that now. That'd make a good peanut way. When they were done with those vehicles, they went to the scrapyard. They shredded them up because they didn't want anybody to ever be able to say and recognize that is an old UPS truck. They wanted everything done away. You know where I'm going with this spiritually, don't you? Amen, I'm gonna tell you if somebody that's doing nothing more than delivering packages from door to door, and I'm not trying to minimize the importance of that, but if some, I'm not talking about something spiritual, but if somebody can be that conscientious about just trying to get a package from point A to point B, then who 
are we to think that we can be this while we are in this house and then walk out of this house and walk and talk and do and act any old way that we want to do. Amen. Somebody's watching us and I'm not just talking about our neighbors but there's an all seeing eye. There's a God of God, a King of Kings. Hey, I'm not cussing to try to stay out of trouble with a preacher. I'm not cheating on my taxes to try to stay out of trouble with the IRS. I'm, I'm doing all that because God is watching my life. I'm a marked man. He took me to the doorpost. He put it all through my ear because I willingly said I want to serve you with everything that I have. And so when you see me on Tuesday, I'm still going to be loving him. When you see him on Wednesday, we're still going to be loving him because we have been marked by the master. Hallelujah. The power, the power of choice is at operation in every life in this building here today. Amen? Power of choice. Day after day, the power of choice is at operation in our lives. We can decide. Temptation gives us ample opportunities. Right? When they, they're going to go out and refuse to stray because they bear the mark of the master. Some in this house could say that God has been too good to me to, for me to let him down. When we were in great distress, God gave me peace. When I was ready to destroy myself, he gave me joy and liberty. We like David can say, oh, this is not just a plaque. <laughs> this is not just something that hangs on the wall. This is, this is not just something to make us feel better about ourselves. But we, like David, can say, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. <laughs> Hallelujah. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That's the God that I serve. A God that can give me peace in the midst of the storm. When everything around me rages, when everything around me says you ought to run, you ought to scream, there is a peace that passes all understanding. The scripture says that he will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. That's not just ink on a page for, for more than just a precious few in this house, but he has supplied for us day in and day out. And when we were down to nothing, God came through right on time. Am I preaching to anybody in this house today that when we didn't know what to do, God was standing right there Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Corin said many years ago, you'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. But when Jesus is all you have, can I tell you, it will be more than enough. More than enough. Psalms 23, again, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. His mercy, his goodness. The Lord has just been so good to me. Amen. If our ushers would just have our Sunday school students come in, I'll just keep going if that's all right with you. Amen. I'm already wet now. <laughs> then got my tie loose. It's already gotten dangerous in the house. Amen. Got a, got a good bottle of water. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to go if you can ride a few more miles. Amen. When I deserve judgment, I found mercy everlasting. When I deserve rejection, <laughs> I found his arms that reached down and embraced me. When Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Job wasn't focusing on the boils. Job wasn't focusing on the tombstones. Job wasn't talk, focusing on all the crops that had been lost. Job was focusing on the goodness and the mercy of God. And he said, though he slay me yet, will I trust him? He said, woman, you're speaking foolishly. God has been been too good to me through the years. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to love him because he's God. Because he's God. I'm thankful for the mark. I'm thankful for the mark of dependence. Now I'm going to I want to talk about something here today that I may need you to really lean in for because we live in such an independent age. So when we start talking about things like dependence, that kind of causes the fur to stand up. But I'm thankful for the mark of dependence that God has placed upon my life. When people were walking away from the Lord, you know, 
when the fish and the loaves and the miracles and all that kind of seemed to start waning down. When all that sort of seemed to be kind of now, that, that was just sort of in, in the pages of history. People started walking away. The numbers started plummeting. And I'm going to tell you from a mere human point of view, it would have been enough to discourage anybody. Because they were just a handful. Then there were 120. Then there were 3,000. Then there were 5,000. And then the number starts plummeting down, 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 down. And when people were walking away, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. He looked at those that remained, those disciples that were worn and tattered, and he said, will you go also? <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't being arrogant. He's just trying to figure out if he needs to start all over with these or just start all over from ground zero because he's on a mission. And he said, will you go also? Thank God there was someone in the crowd who wasn't ashamed to bear the mark of the master. Simon Peter quickly stood to his feet and emphatically asked a question that ought to be the foundation of this entire body of Christ. He said, Lord, to whom else would we go? Where else would we go? This was the voice of a man that was marked by the master. When I think about the future, I am more confident that I cannot make it without the Lord on my side than I have ever been. Amen. It was said recently in a pulpit that, and it, it just stuck in my heart and in my spirit. But, but you see, we don't just need the Bible today to preach to us the, the, uh, and validate for us the, the coming of the Lord. It's everywhere we look. As a matter of fact, it was recently said that there's probably news, more newscasters preaching about the coming of the Lord than there are preachers preaching about the coming of the Lord. Because every day, every day around our world, certainly every few days around our world, there is a message that's coming across that underneath that message says Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Amen. When I think about the future, I'm confident I can't make it without him. When I consider the impending storms that I may face in my life, I'm going to ask myself, what would I do without a spiritual captain to help me navigate through these seasons of my life? I need him more now than I've never needed him before hear me today I haven't got this thing figured out I haven't learned how to do this on my own I haven't learned how to walk by myself or live alone I say God I need you as the captain of my life help me navigate Lord through the storms called life there are many arrows flying and what can we do without that shield to protect us the past, the present, the future are all like sharp awls that bore right through our ears and fasten us. They don't just fasten us to some random object, but they fasten us to the cause of the kingdom. Once a man or a woman has tasted and truly experienced a real relationship with the Lord, nothing else will satisfy. One drink from the well of Bethlehem and you're going to be like David in 2 Samuel 23. This is what David said. David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He wasn't asking for just a sip of water. If somebody could just run to the well, a well, if somebody could run to a river. But David said, I need a sip of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. David said in Psalms 57 and 7, listen, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Hear me, when something is said one time in scripture, we ought to pay attention. But when something is repeated in scripture, we certainly ought to lean in. David said, my heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Amen, that's the problem with some people today. Their heart is not fixed. Amen, they enjoy church while they're at church. But after a while, something else gets their attention. After a while, something else has garnered their time. After a while, something else has stolen all of their energy and their resources. Some people's hearts are like flying feathers. They're everywhere. Amen, wherever the wind blows them. But I want to have a fixed heart. I want to be able to say, God, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart, my heart is fixed fixed. Amen. 
My heart is not content with the things of this world. They're just merely gonna fade away and amen, moth and rust and it's all gonna decay. My heart is fixed on eternity. I'm expecting to have what the scripture promises, every tear white from my eye. That's what the scripture says. I'm expecting to hear it said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joys of the Lord. I didn't just start this thing to appease my parents. I didn't just start this thing to make my Sunday school teacher feel better about me. I didn't just start this thing to make my youth director feel better about me as a young man. But when I said, Lord, I will, I meant every word of it. Amen. I have meant every word of it. I'm not being arrogant today. I've been tired. I've been weary. I've been discouraged. I've been beat up. I've been scarred. I've been, I've been to the point I didn't know what I was going to do. Amen. I didn't know which way to turn or what to do. But there was one thing I did know. If I could just get back to the house of God. If I could just get back to the house of God. If I can get back to the altar. If I can get back to the word. I'm not trying to sound like a superman today. I'm not. I'm anything but. But I'll tell you that the word of God has what sustained me. The preaching of the word of God has been that that reached out and rescued me. The worship and the praise and the prayer of the saints have been that that has made me buoyant enough to survive the storm because we've been marked by the master. I can't walk away because I've been marked. I've been marked. If our musicians would come please. One thing that we cannot afford to lose sight of is this. And I want to go back to our text if I can and kind of just, if I can just kind of pull all this back together now. Thank you for your patience this morning. Praise God. Exodus 21 and 6. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall serve him forever. I go back here on purpose because I want you to understand something you may already understand it, but I want you to hear me say it. This process is not something that I have the power to do to you or for you. I can't mark you. I can't save you. I can't forgive you. The master, there was one man in the crowd only one man in the crowd that had any right to pick up that all. And that was the master. Then his master shall bring him. Shall bring him. You see, if I could preach you to the altar, if I could scare you to the altar, then somebody else a little more silver-tongued than me can, can talk you another direction. I don't, have the, I don't have the power to mark you. But there's one in our midst this morning that does. There is no man that can bind a soul to the Lord. The Lord has to do that himself. And so if you're afraid of growing cold, or perhaps you sense that you are, then I'm asking you to come today to the master and let the master bore us through afresh. Mark, mark me again, God. I want to I I leave every service. I'm not trying to sound ridiculous today, but I want to I leave every service with there being some evidence that I have not just been in the presence of people that are worshiping or in the presence of people that are doing this or doing that. But I want to walk out of the service. Not, Pardon me, I want to walk out of the service. I want to leave with a brand. I, I want something to be evident. I want that there, there to be something evident in my life that I have been in the presence of the master. Amen, the master. Galatians 6 and 17, the Bible says, 
From henceforth, this is Paul speaking to the church of Galatia, from henceforth let no man trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think there's a spiritual connection to that, of course. But I also believe because we study the life of Paul that Paul bore in his body the literal marks. I, I believe he could pull up his sleeves. There had been marks, a story to tell where I was in stocks. I, I believe that Mark, I, I believe that Paul rather could have, could have pulled off his shirt, pardon the example here, but I believe he could, I believe he could show his back would bear scars. Amen. May have been scars where he'd been beaten on his face. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The boring of the ear was an emblem of obedience. Let's stand, can we? It is with the ear. It's significant. And, and, and I want you to, I always say this, but please don't pre-dismiss yourself. <laughs> because it's significant that we understand the importance of the ear. It was significant that the ear was what was bored because it was with the ear that the servant would hear. The church will prove its servant's spirit through spiritual ears. We hear God's will, and when we hear God's will, we, like Abraham, sometimes are going to a place that we don't even know where we're going. We're just kind of, just kind of, we're just kind of, because we, not what we see. Are you with me this morning? Not because we can see and point and say, there it is, but because we hear with our ear and we start walking toward by faith what God is leading us. We hear God's will. Some of you have ears and some of us have ears today that need to be open. Some perhaps for the first time, but maybe others have allowed things to cause them to grow shut. Some hear the voice of God, but it's just muffled and drowned by all the things that are going on in the world around you. Earthly and worldly and carnal things come between you and the Lord. His voice can be heard, but it's not distinctive. But the scripture says, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare themselves to the battle? You hear him speak on Sunday, but the rest of the week, perhaps we allow things to override his will in our life. But the Bible says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, let him hear. The obedient servant only has to hear his master's voice. Doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. We're living in an hour where people are calling everything to question, mostly because they have lost or left their first love. Amen. Hear me. Let me just repeat that. A lot of people are wondering why, 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 and a lot of the whys are born out of the fact that they have left their first love. I never heard of an angel in heaven asking God why he was ordered to do this or why I was ordered to do that. They just serve without question. Amen. So that his will may be done by us on earth after the same fashion as it is in heaven. And so we need to be like the high priest. And this is where I'm going. The Bible talks about their thumbs and their toes were touched by the blood from the sacrifice. That's right. This was to show the things that are active in our lives are going to be given to the service of God. I want the blood to be applied to my hands. I want the blood to be applied to my feet. Those that There's some action. If I get anywhere today, it'll be my feet that take me there. If I get anything done, it'll be my hands that help me accomplish that. Amen. Amen. We also may be like those whose ears, it wasn't just their thumbs and their toes, but their ears were touched with the blood so we could hear his will. Amen. Finally, I want you to notice this, that when the ear was bored, it was bored to the doorpost in the presence of judges. Or as I mentioned earlier, they represented God. This was not done in secret. It was not done in the back room. It was done in public with witnesses present. Because if this man was going to devote himself to the master, he must be brought right out to the doorpost. The all must be driven through the ear in the presence of spectators. You see, our consecration to the Lord is not a thing that we do in secret. You who love the Lord, amen, if we love him, amen, if I could just use a popular phrase today, if we love him, then we need to own it. 
Amen. If we, we need to own it. We need to declare it. If you love him, then own it. If you're not ashamed of him, amen, then live right. Then talk right and dress right. And amen. Are, are you hearing me today? I'm not. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Amen. I don't want to be ashamed to be a child of God. I'm not embarrassed to be holy. I'm not in, embarrassed to be modest. Can I tell you, ladies, this morning, you young ladies, don't be ashamed of your modesty. Amen. Can I preach to the young? men and the men in this house don't be ashamed of your modesty amen dress like a man walk like a man be a man is that all right don't be ashamed to do that I'm, they're not ashamed to do what they do. I'm not gonna be ashamed to do what I do. I've been blood pot. I've been water baptized. I've been filled with this spirit. Amen, you don't, you don't have to think I'm gonna be embarrassed if you catch me leaping for joy. Don't you think I'm gonna be embarrassed if you catch me shouting, hallelujah, I've been set free. I've been delivered. I have a marked man. I am a marked man. I'm a marked man. My God, I think we ought to worship him in this house today. If you're a marked man, we ought to lift our voice. Amen. If you're a marked woman in this house, we ought to magnify him. How many's been brought out of sin? How many's been delivered from the debauchery of sin? Hell was your destination. Hell was your eternity. But God gave us a second chance. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.